Are you a service-based business owner looking to increase profits to fund your lifestyle? Well, this podcast is for you. We bring you inspirational guests sharing actionable tips to solve many of the struggles you face each and every day. And now, over to your host, Paul Higgins. Hello to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. And if you enjoy it, please subscribe. If you're a regular, thanks for your support. Love to get your feedback at paul at buildlivegive.com. It means the world to me when you do. Welcome to Take Notes. However, all the interview is fully transcribed on our website. Our guest today is someone who is a self-proclaimed nerd. He grew up inspired by his father and grandfather, to be his own boss. And after working for some mid-sized companies, he took several risks and now runs an automation agency to eliminate manual entry to give more creativity to the world. So why? Listen, where in your company to start automation? It's something that I didn't think of. It's very good. Number two, the importance of rewarding team members who automate. Number three, how to automate your sales to gain more clients. They've kindly given you as the listener an exclusive offer during the podcast as well. So now over to Will Christensen from dataautomation.com. Welcome Will Christensen from Data Automation to the Build Live Give podcast. Great to have you here, Will. Hey, you know what? I am excited to be here. (laughs) It is always a good day to talk to other brilliant people looking to share ideas and automation tips with the world. It's one of my passions is sharing how to attack this problem of automation. So, Yeah, I'm very excited as well. Some people collect, you know, watches, cars, you know, I collect tech, right? So I think you and I got a lot in common other than I'm more of a someone that loves when someone does it for me rather than doing it myself. So I think this will be a perfect combination. So why don't we kick off with something that your family or friends may know about you that we may not? Let's see. Okay. So something that my family or friends would know about me that I may not, or that you may not, I am actually a dancer. My wife would tell you it not as often as she would like, but we met dancing and that was actually my, I would call it my first successful venture was creating a social dance group in Salt Lake City, Utah called the Social Dance Effect. It's been 10 years as of last month, I think. Yeah. As of last month, it's been 10 years and the thing is still running and I haven't been involved in about seven or eight. So that was probably... And what styles? So we do, it's ballroom and all sorts of different kind of like social dancing. I'm more of a freestyle dancer. I've got to say, I'm I'm the guy at the wedding that everyone, you know, that my (laughs) wife gets embarrassed when everyone goes, oh, what? I didn't know. Yeah. You're the guy from Hitch where, you know, when the girl turns around, he starts doing all the crazy moves and everybody's like, whoa, what in the heck is that? Yeah, no. The reason we started the social dance effect is because I went to a single, so I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and they have what they call singles wards where all of the young single adults, you know, 18 to 30, they all meet together for church. And I went to a dance, a Halloween dance and a waltz came on and the floor just cleared. Like nobody would go up and I was like, what in the Like I raised my hand like anybody else out there want to dance and this girl came out and we danced and I was like, okay, I am starting a club to meet this need. And we started teaching guys like you how to get girls by knowing how to waltz. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And look, you know, I know you've had a fantastic career. So, you know, you worked for a mid-sized company, you've, you know, been consulting for quite some time. You're 
involved in a tech in- incubator, and now you've got data automation, which is, you know, we're going to drill more into. But just take us a little bit through the journey and in particular, you know, what was the shift from, you know, working for someone else to work for yourself? So if you've listened to any of my other episodes, I didn't know actually at the time, I've told this story a lot, right? But if you've listened to any of those other episodes, you may have heard this story in more detail. So I'll give kind of a top level. Basically, I went and I decided that I wanted to work for myself. And that was actually my goal from day one. My grandfather and my father are both entrepreneurs in that they don't have a regular boss. I saw that lifestyle and fell in love with it immediately. I loved that my dad was at my games. It's funny that I'd say my games because I'm not much of a, of a, of a jock or anything like that. I'm a total nerd. So when I say games, I probably should say something like when he was at my plays um, or, or some of those other things. Like I, I loved, I mean, I was in several musicals in high school and stuff like that. So, you know, all the guys that were like, oh, he's a theater nerd. Yeah, no, totally theater nerd. But from the very beginning, I fell in love with that idea of having a lifestyle where I wasn't totally tied to you know, doing everything the corporate way. And it's funny now because I need to get back to that a little more. Now that I've found some of that and I have some of that freedom, I need to start putting up some better boundaries so that I can be there for my kids more. I can still remember, I don't know if you've seen the Robin Williams hook, that old movie where he's literally on his way to his son's baseball game and he misses it by like two hours and his phone rings and this is the beginning of the movie it's talking about those core values yes i'll tell you what that's why i started it that's why i got excited so from the very beginning that's what i was looking for and every job i took i worked for hyperx media well first i worked for a newspaper advertising company selling newspaper ads and i had a different idea about how the world should work than them and i got fired I worked at a call center for a little while. Then I went and worked for HyperX Media as an unpaid intern with a college degree. Proved that I could do some of it. And I started as a media buyer's assistant, worked my way up to being a a media director there, and then got the opportunity to go move across the country from Utah to Georgia to work inside a tech incubator. Gained their trust actually by being banned from a college campus. If you're familiar with GoDogs, UGA, I knew that I had to impress the tech incubator guys. And so I thought, you know, what, let's go get on campus and let's do a book buyback because I was working for a company called Book Scouter inside the tech incubator. And I got a textbook buyback set up right in front of the bookstore at the college campus. And they were not thrilled with that and actually banned me from campus. <laughs> so yeah, long story short, between impressing them, I then pitched them on the idea of creating a a consultancy that was focused on automation. And here we are today. There's the long version of it. And it involved me getting banned from campus or getting fired from a newspaper agency to figure out that, you know, let's be part of an agency. Yeah, fantastic. And look, we're going to dig a lot more into automation because as I said at the start, it's one of my passionate things. And, you know, you spoke about your grandfather and your dad being entrepreneurs and sort of showing you the way. Who else has sort of been some of your biggest supporters uh, through this journey? I would have to say my wife. I told her, it's funny, when we very first started dating, she was like, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, well, if I ever grow up, I want to be a millionaire. <laughs> she was like, what? A millionaire? Like, yeah, right. And I was like, no, really, I'm going to be a millionaire. My grandfather made it to that stage and I saw what he was able to do, not only in his own life, focused on his faith and focused on his family and see some of that. I think he, he had to find some work-life balance and it took him 
a minute to figure that out. But I've been so impressed with the impact he was able to have on the people around him. And so my wife's ability to curb some of her natural fear associated with risk and dive in headfirst with me, we've made a great team and made some really good decisions with real estate and some of these other things that have really paid dividends for us. But in the beginning, it was really hard and she put up with a lot. She still does put up with a lot, but we've actually seen some of the fruits of those initial risks that we took. We'll now go into the build section because I can't wait anymore to speak about automation. So when someone says to you, hey, Will, what do you do? How do you best answer that? It's funny. Our neighbors came. We just moved uh, to Syracuse, Utah, and our neighbors came over from across the street and we're in COVID. So we're like literally talking to them from our front porch and they're eight feet down and away from us. We're having a great conversation. And they asked me that. Or I think they asked my wife and she turned around and said, Will, you're going to have to come and answer this question because I never do what you do justice, but what do you do? And I said, well, basically what we do is we eliminate manual entry so that the world can take back its creativity and put it back into the bottom line. So we create automation so that creativity can do exactly what it was meant to do and create real value for the world. Another way I describe it is I take digital duct tape and I strap websites together so that you don't have to enter customer data twice or invoice data twice. Like if you have two systems that both need the same data, we build connections between those systems so that you don't have to do that manually anymore. Brilliant. And what do you know about automation that many miss? What do I know about automation? I know that automation is the key to unlocking your journey in terms of going to the next level. I mean, I tell people that I sell the one thing money can't buy. I sell time. I tell others that I'm a time lord. If you've watched any Doctor Who, I'm the guy who goes in and helps you discover where some of those pieces are. So I've developed a framework around what to automate, what not to automate, and how to appropriately create a strategy that's going to really build automation as a habit. As I read on, we'll talk about Zapier here in a minute, but Zapier put out a blog post recently saying, automation is a habit. Here's how to work on it. Love it. And I definitely want to talk about that in a moment, but who do you love eliminating manual entry for? Like this automation, who's sort of your sweet spot? You know, we do a ton with e-commerce because there is so, I mean, think about e-commerce, it's all about volume of transactions. And so that naturally creates a lot of really repeated manual things. So receiving tracking numbers from manufacturers that are shipping something on your behalf, very, very manual, very, very automatable. We also work a lot with service-based businesses where at a service-based business, one of the tricky parts is how to scale, right? How do you get to the point where you can do that? And so there's even a new uh, form of business out there. They call it a SWAS business. And that's where you have a service-based business, but you are backed by technology. And so you create a situation where your reporting is all automated, right? So instead of having three FTE full-time employees who are in the background doing some reporting, you actually completely automate away that process of capturing all of that data and displaying it to your clients by creating a dashboard that they can log into and see their results. So it's all about finding repeatable processes inside your business that are currently being managed by humans and giving those processes to robots so that the humans can start focusing on 
not just the process, but creating real value instead of just, you know, pulling a lever over and over again. And it's interesting, a quick shout out to Matt Yeas from Extend the Team. He has come from the e-commerce world, came across and now he runs basically a virtual assistant business. And, you know, he just constantly challenged me because, you know, I used to own a tech agency that supplied automation into agencies, but still got quite a few manual processes. And he's like, how can we automate this? So I get it from an e-commerce perspective, but a lot of service-based business owners, you know, are relationship-based, right? You know, they're Mm -hmm. providing a service, they're relationship-based. How do you get people, because they want the benefit automation, but often often that's where they get stuck. How do you move someone from being stuck into, say, getting someone like you in to actually help them with the business? What's the key catalyst for that? So there's a couple of different things that you can do. And I would say the first thing is start at the bottom and go upward. So generally speaking, who is the individual in your company that is doing that manual labor? It's generally not the individuals who own the relationships. And the interesting thing about it is everybody in the organization can own relationships. And sometimes they may not be the right person, right seat on the bus, so to speak. But you've got to understand that those individuals who are on the bottom of the totem pole often are capable of keeping those relationships. So, I mean, if you think about it, every business is very relationship based and especially those service based businesses. So, if me as the CEO can maintain, you know, 200 contacts or just call it 20 contacts, you've got to surround yourself with people who can also maintain relationships and delegate, get those things off your plate so that you have a bunch of relationships. And those people at the bottom who are doing that manual labor, if they're capable of taking those tasks of maintaining a relationship off of someone at the top, that's where there's real opportunity for scaling, right? Because instead of just you know manually hacking at a spreadsheet all day, they can then begin to really understand the spreadsheet and start adding value. So a good example of this, when I worked at HyperX Media, I was in charge of looking at the display ads and tracking their overarching change over time. And when I could see a change and say, hey, you know what, the blue one versus the green one is actually making an impact here, that was the value that we were looking at to create a a positive flywheel relationship with our customers. But until I automated some things and got it to the point where I wasn't just making sure the data made it into the report, I was analyzing the data, we couldn't create that flywheel. So start at the bottom, develop a culture of automation, give those individuals rewards and budget to raise their hand and say, hey, I have an automation problem, who can help me? So it's instilling a culture and a system that encourages automation. And when somebody automates something, pat the freaking person on the back and hand them a $100 gift card. The fastest way to kill automation in your company, if the service-based businesses that are listening today, if the one thing you take away from this is when an employee automates something for you, you had better share in the ROI that they just created for your company because the fastest way to kill automation is to pat them on the back and say, good job and just let them keep working because they realize how much value they just added to your company. If they create something where they all of a sudden have another three hours a week in perpetuity, three hours a week in perpetuity, and let's say that they were making $30 an hour or $10 an hour, they recognize how much value they just brought to you. And so if you can't reach out and say, hey, here's a $100 Amazon gift card, or hey, here's a small pay raise for everything for what you just did, they're going to stop automating. 
because there's no point in just padding your pockets. Yeah, I think that's so important. And say it up front as well, because I think some of the service businesses I've worked with, like you said, you know, start at the bottom. I think that's great advice, but sometimes they're like, well, hang on, this is a threat. You know, what am I going to do? You know, once all of this automation comes in, is, is this a way of uh, eliminating me potentially? And I think it's really important to have that conversation up front and yep. also, as you said, have the rewards. And, and how have you seen that play out in, in the clients you've worked with? I've found that the ones who truly embrace it as a way of life, there's a company called Nomad and Nomad embraced the culture of automation very quickly and their whole team got really excited and got right behind it. It's clear down from the customer service person, people all the way up to the top. And they're using tools like Zapier and Google Sheets and a lot of these other tools and, and Airtable to propel their business forward in a way that's amazing. Like they shifted their entire business model when COVID-19 hit in a matter of three to five days and started selling PPE because they had all of the systems in place to be able to tackle orders and look at some of those pieces. And so when you have that frank conversation with the individual and say, hey, look, your brain is worth more to me than just copying and pasting in spreadsheets. Like I know that you have more brain power than that all of a sudden they don't see automation as a threat. They see it as a tool. And so if you can get them to kind of see that. Now, some people are like, no, no, no. All I want to do is punch that. I just want to be the person who doesn't really have to think about it. And I go home. There's still going to be room for that individual, even if we automate what they're doing now, because automation has to be maintained. You have to have somebody who's watching it, who's looking at some of what's there. And part of that's really annoying. You have to look at the logs and Look at you know those things that are there that don't take as much brain power. So it just depends on the gift mix of the individuals that are there. And you talked about before, you know, always get confused as Zapier or Zapier. So how do you Zapier? So Zapier. so think of it this way: Zapier makes you happier. So at the very <laughs> bottom of their website, they actually know how hard it is to say their name. So right in the footer, it actually says Zapier makes you happier. So that's how you can remember how to do that. Most people don't even know it, but Zapier is actually a play on words for the word API or for the acronym API. So Z-A-P-I-E-R. That's how they came up with their name. It's funny, I was working with them for like three years before and I saw a video where they actually like highlighted that and I was like, oh my gosh, that's why they're called Zapier? I had no idea. Well, I remember talking to the founder very early on. I think it might have been 2000 and oh, I can't remember the year, 13, 14. And it was a conversation that I didn't realize the height they would hit. So um, yeah, big shout out. They're doing awesome. But you talked about automation as a habit, right? So what advice have you got on making automation as a habit? And again, this is a framework that I share often. I call it 15115. And so it's 15115? Correct. 15115. Yep. And what that stands for is you're looking for tasks that are more than 15 minutes a day, more than an hour a week, or more than an hour a month. And that final trailing five is more than five times before you begin to automate. So get out a sticky note, write 15115 on the top of it. And if you need to give yourself a little more context, you can write 15 minutes, one hour, and one hour, right? And if you want to put a little, you can do like per day, but you're thinking about it in terms of period, per day, per week, per month. And what that's giving you is a threshold of if it doesn't take me more than 15 
one hour, one hour, then I'm not going to write it down. And, and you're going to think about things that are repeatable either daily, weekly, or monthly. Okay. So that's the framework of what you begin to write down. And then the five is tally marks next to each task. So you write down that you're doing client reporting and it's a weekly thing and you do a tally mark after you've done it five times manually. That's when it's time to write up the standard operating procedure, automate, delegate, or eliminate that task. So you turn it into a habit by getting this out, writing down that sticky note and writing down every time you do something like, oh, that's probably something that could be automated. Write it down, put those tally marks next to it. And then when it's time to automate and you're talking to an automation specialist, either at Data Automation or that you found on Fiverr or Upwork or any of these other platforms, you can say, this is how much time it's currently taking me. These are the processes. This is when you should turn left versus turn right. This is kind of how we tackle and look at all of those different pieces. Yeah, and I think that's a brilliant point around, you know, should you do it yourself, you or your team, or versus getting a specialist in, you know, what's your experience on that? I would say if you don't have any experience automating something, I would definitely recommend that your first foray into that, that you purchase some automation. I mean, if you're worried about your budget, go ahead and try to do it manually and after you've, or, or try to do the automation on your own. And if you fail, then you're more ready to find somebody who has those expertise. We often find that people undervalue the automation consultant. It's kind of interesting that they're like, oh, I mean, that seems like it's common sense. So I bet I can get this done for 200 bucks. And what, they'll try it on their own and they'll realize, oh crap, I actually do need somebody who understands how to help me put this into real spaces. So there's a lot of automation that you can do on your own the first time just by Googling and finding the right SaaS platform to handle what you're looking for. But if you're, depending on how hairy the process is, I think it's really important to find an expert to do what you're, what you need done. And what are some, you know, you've talked about sort of start at the bottom back end, et cetera, which I get, but for a lot of my clients and a lot of people listening now, sales is where they spend a lot of their time right? Mm -hmm. What automations have you seen work well within a sales space? So there's two things that come to mind immediately. One is automating the response to any of your contact forms. So we had an issue where I was the only salesperson at data automation for a little while and I could not handle the lead volume. So obviously, you know, that's not a problem everybody's going to face, but it's a nice problem, but it's still a problem. Yes, it's still a problem. Well, it was getting to the point where I would jump on calls with people and they're like, yeah, can you do this for like 200 bucks? And then my next call was like, yeah, can you do this for like 20 grand? And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like (laughs) we got to figure out how to get these guys who want it for 200 bucks to get on somebody else's plate or to fill out a longer form so that we can qualify these leads better. So we actually automated our contact form so that when people would reach out to us, we would immediately reply to them and say, hey, thanks so much. This is an automated message because we believe in automation. And we've taken all of the things that you put into our little contact us form. And we've pre-filled a form that's going to give you direct access to my calendar so that we can jump on the phone together. And we created a choose your own adventure form using Google Forms that would take them to an appropriate calendar based upon who they were. And we knew like, okay, if they're a SaaS company and they've got X number of this problem or whatever, then we want to send them to Will's calendar because their budget's, pro- their, their problem's big enough that we can probably solve it and have positive ROI. 
But if they weren't getting that large, we would push them to my assistant's calendar. She would jump on, ask them five or six questions, give them an idea of where our minimum was, and then they would self, you know, walk away and say, hey, this isn't for me. And so we completely automated that qualification process by pushing them to that form. Now, you may be at a point where you're like, you know, that's not my problem. My problem is I don't have enough leads. Well, in that situation, I would recommend a platform called reply.io or one of these others where you're automating some of your outreach to kind of create systems around what's there and figuring out the right marketing channel to bring in more pieces there. And we've been surprised at the response. As long as your automation helps the customer just as much as it helps you, So think about it. In the beginning, I needed that contact. I needed to be talking to more qualified people. Well, what I gave them is I gave them a form where I took everything they gave me and I didn't make them fill it out again. Hmm. It wasn't like, hey, here's a form. If you want to talk to me, fill it out. It was like, hey, here's a form. And I've pre-filled that form with everything you already gave me. I have more questions about what we're going to talk about. And then I'm going to give you direct access to my calendar, which is why they reached out to begin with. So I exchanged value and gave them, you know, hey, we're going to automate a process that's going to help both of us get to what we want faster. You said um, declare it, right? Is that really important or how important is declaring that this is automated versus not? It depends on what you're automating. In this situation, we felt like it was important to declare that it was automated because then if there was any piece of it that felt impersonal, they could recognize that we were trying to make the automation as personal as it could be. There are some automated interactions that you don't need to declare its automation. If you can make it seamless enough that they get the same result from a human as they would a robot, there is no reason to to declare that it's automated because in the sense that you know they're interacting with an organism that is your business, if you've created a way for that organism to interact with them and they get the same value, I don't feel there's any need to declare its automation. Brilliant. Well, look, just a reminder that you're listening to Will Christensen and you can find out more about him at dataautomation.com. But before we go into the live section, I would like to talk about an assessment to help you work out if you're going to have a high or low seven-figure business in 2021. Just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash assessment and answer the 15 questions in about three minutes. Based on your results, you'll either get a free 45-minute strategy call to walk away with a clear plan or a chance to be just like Will and share your success on the podcast. So go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash assessment. So the next section is the live. And what are some daily habits that help you be successful, Will? So the couple of the daily habits that have been huge for me is knowing when to automate, delegate, or eliminate, which is actually the name of a podcast that we founded as well. And it's knowing 1511, right? Talked about that already. Knowing when to delegate is a key. And I couldn't agree more with outsourcing when it's time to outsource or getting yourself an assistant, someone who can focus on helping you do what you do best. So in order, automate. So 1511, finding opportunities for automation. Delegate in that you really need to stop and ask yourself before you begin any task, am I the best person to accomplish what we're about to do? And if the answer to that question is no, get that thing off your plate. Find somebody who, who is a better person 
to handle that. Getting an assistant, I think the first assistant I had was three or four years ago. It took me quite a while to figure out the right way to get an assistant. I currently have an assistant through a company called Satiated Artist, and I love it. I love how effective they are at helping me get there. And then that third thing would be eliminate, which is going in and asking yourself, what can I stop doing each week that's going to free up the business to go where it needs to go? And personally, right? What can we eliminate that's going to allow us to get where we need to go? Excellent, Brent. And the order, so I've heard variations of this order, but sometimes people say, look, start the other way. So eliminate first and then maybe automate. Why did you choose eliminate as the last step? That's a great question. So when I say automate, delegate, eliminate, I don't mean that that's the order that it has to be in. Part of the reason I chose it is because it's alphabetical, A-D-E, uh, yes, right? Yes. And it rings, right? So part of the reason I chose that is because it's there. The other reason I think is there is because a lot of times it's difficult to know whether or not something should be automated early on. And after it's been automated, it's much easier to be like, you know what, that's just not having that much impact. And so as long as you use 15, actually, very interesting that you ask that, 15.1.1 actually eliminates all of the things that are not, shouldn't be automated from the process. So I could put my own 15.1.1 process has elimination built into it. And so as long as you're using 15.1.1, you can choose automate first to kind of look at it. But you need to write an SOP. You need to write out what it's going to do no matter what. So Right. Well, the next section is a give section. And I know that faith is a very important part of your life, but what other charities or communities are you passionate about and why? So I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I am incredibly passionate about helping that organization grow. I'm a very faith-based person. I believe God's in the details of our lives, and I believe that he's restored his church on the face of the earth. So it's, it's a powerful place that I believe helps people grow and get there. I'm also pretty passionate about an organization called One Heart, One Light, which is about helping men deal with their emotions and recognize you know, how to, how to handle some of those different pieces of what's there. Great. And uh, also, I've got a charity where I give to a charity where all the proceeds of my book and a percentage of my revenue go to. It's called The Purple House. And you can go to purplehouse.org.au you to find out more. And uh, they certainly help people, Indigenous people with dialysis, which is close to my heart, uh, Will. So the last section is the rapid response or rapid fire questions to quote John Lee Demas. I'll ask you some questions and just get some quick replies. So the first one is, what are your top three personal effectiveness tips? So the top three personal effectiveness tips I would go back to what I told you before a little bit about some of where it is. Automate, delegate, eliminate. Look for things in your life where you're stuck and figure out ways to go around those different things that you're facing by automating, delegating, or eliminating. Brilliant. And what, I know this is a very hard question. You've mentioned Zapier, not Zapier, Zapier, Airtable, et cetera, Google. I'm sure you've got lots of gadgets and lots of tech, but what's one that you really couldn't run your business without? You know, it's interesting. Had you asked me that question a year ago, I would have said Trello because Trello is a very, very powerful Kanban list-making tool. It's unmatched in terms of its capability on the phone versus in the web. They've just done a fantastic job of making a really solid piece of technology. 
we're actually in the process of transitioning away from Trello into ClickUp. And ClickUp, if you haven't, especially for service businesses, it puts you know, Excello and some of these others that are out there that are built for that. It is amazing what Zeb Evans has done in creating that platform. So those are two platforms. I still am in love with Trello. I love the things that are about it. ClickUp seems to have all the things we love about Trello, plus several things that we hate about Trello. And so we're actually in the process of transitioning over to that. Yeah, I hear you. I'm uh, thinking the exact same thing from Asana to ClickUp. So I'll be contacting you to get some tips. And you know, what's your best source of new ideas? Well, so it, it's funny when you say that my everyday life is a source of new ideas. I am constantly coming up against new things, listening to people around me. Another huge place that I go for new ideas is honestly my podcast. We're, we're currently interviewing SaaS founders on the podcast and finding out what sort of automation they brought to the world. And so like we had Zeb Evans on our podcast and those founders are smart dudes. And so that's been really, really powerful. So if you're looking for new ideas, go find mentors and interview and just talk to people. That's been my fastest, best way to challenge the world and look at it in a new way. Well, give us a bit of a glimpse to the answer to this question, but I save it for the last because it's the biggest. But what impact do you want to leave on the world? I want to basically put automation in the hands of the common people. And when I say the common people, I mean those who are unaware of some of its capabilities. Again, I see so much manual effort wasted on, you know, we're just trying to figure out what's there. And so I want to create a space where people really can find the right automation as quickly as possible and get the most out of creating some of this fantastic value that currently is stuck in, it's locked with chains of manual effort inside their heads. So I want to break those chains with automation. Yeah, well, look, it's been brilliant having you on, Will. I'm definitely going to to continue to follow you and the podcast, Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. Please subscribe to that. And also anyone listening that mentions this episode, so it's episode number 260, 260, Will will give a 30-minute system discussion if you mention this. So, Will, Brent, having you on, thanks for the impact you're having on the world and you've inspired me and I hope everyone listening, you've also been inspired by uh, doing more automation because it's something you can never do enough of. Thanks, Will. Glad to be here. I really enjoyed my interview with Will and to be honest, I wish I had have had double the time. I would have loved... I had so many questions I wanted to ask him, but I really wanted to respect your time and keep it to that 30, 40 minute mark. But you can get the full transcribed show notes at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from Will. Please share on your socials mentioning Will and data automation. To find out more about Will and his great services, go to dataautomation.com. And as he said, he will provide a free system consult, a 30-minute consult for anyone that mentions this podcast. If you believe someone you know would benefit from the show, please share. They would love you for it. Fill out the assessment to know if you're going to have a high or low seven-figure business in 2021. Just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash assessment. Please take action to build, live, and give. Thanks for listening to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you like what you heard, please share it and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us.